five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Joe Jackson, he's the man. So, an interesting little uh, sink there, I have to tell you. Behind me, you can you can see the uh, background. If you're if you're listening to the podcast, let me just describe the uh, the background today. It's Bruce Lee and the Green Hornet. And so I, I mean, I'm not even sure why I chose this background, although I think subliminally, I kind of know why. Because I was looking at some uh, photos, well, actually a story and a photo associated with that story. And of course, that's to do with Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And um, let me just show you the photo. Find it here, give me one sec. Yeah, here it is right here. So I think this was kind of the genesis of it. Maybe it was just happening on a on a uh, subliminal level. Maybe I, maybe I was programmed for this. But there's a weird little little thing there. If you were watching that video, I'll, and I'll reference back. All right. So I'm looking at this photo of Will Will Smith. By the way, I, I will never, ever, ever forgive Will Smith and Kevin Klein, for that matter, for being in the remake or the movie version, the cinematic version of the Wild Wild West. First of all, it was a shitty movie. And second of all, it started this trend where they started to redo movies and recast the original characters it's black. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't have a problem, but it, but it kind of, it was like this weird trend and you could see where things were going. Like, this is as far back as the wild, wild west. And there was even a, a remake of a movie called about last night. And it, it starred uh, the original version starred Rob Lowe, um, uh, Jim Belushi, Demi Moore. And I think I forget the other woman. And then I think it was the, like the 90s or the early 2000s, they did a black version of about last night. I'm like, why are they doing this? So they, it, it was just weird. It was like, hey, you know, we could do a, a sophisticated, urbane, black uh, sort of comedy, romance, cinematic soap opera film, because that's what that movie's about, right? about last night anyway 
So it was a combination with the Wild Wild. It was Will Smith as James West, and it was a shitty movie. I don't like Kevin Klein. I'm not, I'm not a huge Will Smith fan. I've never been a huge Will Smith fan. I'm trying to think of a movie that I liked him in. Maybe Men in Black. Maybe that was it. Not much else. Uh, he was also in the movie Six Degrees of Separation. That's a really interesting movie. And it's about this uh, young black guy who pretends that he is a descendant of somebody very, very important and very fair. And talks his way into essentially East Coast society. And I can't help but think that that the guy who whose story that was was a cipher for Barack Obama. Anyway, that's a film that Will Smith really cuts his teeth on. And that's where he uh, he makes bank, right? That's where he really gets on the map. I just never, I've never been a big Will Smith guy. Anyway, you can see this photo here. There's kind of a green hornet theme. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is looking like a, a green hornet. And Will Smith is there looking. I don't know. What is he looking like? Defiant. This is a defiant moment for these two people. They're at this is pre-Oscars. Look at him. He's like, eh. Will Smith and Juwan Howard could be doubles. And apparently uh, Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia. So her hair is falling out and she has to, she has to shave it. What is that all about? All right, we're going to come back to this in a second. So maybe that was programming me to have this background. Because Jada Pinkett Smith looked to me like a, a green bug, a green hornet or green wasp, whatever it was, right? She kind of like, for whatever reason, my brain's like, hey, why don't you go into, go on, go on to the internet and go find a cool green hornet image. Part of it also had to do with last night because I, I had a comic book image in the background of the show for last night's show. So I, I was kind of, you know, I wanted to stay in this kind of comic book vein. Okay, so then... Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you did not hear the opening track because I always play an opening track, almost always. And I was trying to go in my head. Like, that's why I'm a little late sometimes because I'm I'm, I'm rummaging around trying to find the right piece of music. And what Will Smith was doing was he was doing his best to show everybody that he is the man. Look at me. I'm the man. So, oh, how about Joe Jackson? I'm the man. Let me go on and find it. And there was not a uh, like a, an official video for that song. So there's that live video. And then I think that they ran that on MTV. That was the video that they used for promoting the track. And that song is just absolutely cutting. It's it's a it's it's an amazing kind of tirade on crass commercialism and trends and um, uh, manipulating the masses, right? Psychological manipulation. And just when they're 
almost done with another fat and another trend. Hey, I got another one for you. You got tired of that one. I got another one for you. And in that song, he says, Kung Fu. That was one of my good ones. I swear to God, I've never seen that video before. I've never seen that video before. And he goes and he grabs a hand puppet of Bruce Lee doing Kung Fu. That was weird. Okay. I was like, wow, that's interesting. And here we have Bruce Lee in the background of today's uh, little hour or so romp through so-called reality. And the other weird thing, and this one is, it's kind of, here, I'll show it to you. Okay. I'll show it because it's funny as hell. I mean, it's really funny. Let me see if I can find it. All right. It's right here. Joe Jackson was very talented. Very, very talented. Okay, so I was, where was I? Oh, I, I think it was on this. Oh, yeah, it was the theme for the Green Hornet because I was thinking of playing that. Like, well, why don't I just play the Green Hornet theme? It's not that great. I mean, the song itself was good, but the uh, opening credits are eh. So, okay, let me go find something else. But as I was finding something else, <laughs> the Green Hornet theme morphed into the Batman movie. If you've never seen the Batman movie, I highly recommend it. It's funny as hell. Really funny. It's, it's the uh, show with uh, all the camp cranked up to 11. And I want to show you this one scene. It's really funny. So Batman, as you can see the screen here, is going after this yacht. <laughs> because, of course, somebody nefarious is on that yacht. And Batman is coming in to uh, put an end to their evil hijinks. But something unusual happens to Batman as he's climbing down this ladder from this helicopter and I'll show you. It's actually really funny. <laughs> All right. You need a little humor here. Here we go. I'm, I'm just going to start here. Okay. This is funny. All right. They see the yacht. There's the bat copter. And um, let's go. Watch out, Batman. This could be tricky. Have no fear of it. I'll keep all my wits about me. So long. For a minute. Robin, ease off on the power. 
increase sink rate. Roger. We'll call. Okay, that was uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's funny. Uh, so if you're if you're listening to this, Batman is on the batcopter, and by the way, he's on the bat ladder. There's actually a little sign on the bottom of the ladder that says bat ladder. And he's going in to now you can see that there was a guy on the yacht walking around, whatever he was doing. All they had to do is like just, you know, have a high powered rifle and just start unloading on Batman. There'd be no more Batman, but that would not be sufficient to tell the story in the uh, uh, absolute camp that would need to be told from. And of course, you could not also introduce the yacht that just disappears. Well, that's a big part of the story. So instead, as Batman is lowering himself onto the yacht on the bat ladder, the yacht disappears. And Batman has a very hurried request to tell Robin to lift him up. But then what happens is that a shark grabs onto Batman's thigh. Okay, I'm wondering if Peter Benchley watched that episode of Batman. And when he did, Jaws was born. That's a Jaws moment with Batman, pre-Jaws. So the shark gloms on just in that moment, right? Gloms on to Batman and starts to uh, clamp down on his thigh. (laughs) So Batman is pounding away on the shark. And you can hear the latex rubber, like thump on the shark. 
And then Robin has to come down. He's got a whole variety of bat sprays for uh, flesh-eating fish, predatory fish. There's barracuda spray. There's manta ray spray. There's all these different kinds of sprays. But he has to bring the shark spray because, the God forbid, you mess up and you, you get the barracuda spray instead of the shark spray. You're fucked. You're just fucked. So Batman, he comes down. He does this little kind of Robin does his uh, gymnast move, his Mary Lou Retton move on the, on the ladder. So he's backwards. He's bending backwards, and he's handing Batman the, uh, the shark spray. And um, Batman sprays the shark. Works wonders. And then when the shark drops away, there's no flesh wounds or blood or anything from Batman's thigh and knee, which is where the shark had attached itself. And then the shark falls off and then drops into the water. And then it explodes because the shark wasn't really a shark. It was a bomb. Of course it was a bomb. So that's the reason why you don't see any flesh wounds on Batman's leg. Because the mechanical shark that had the bomb in it probably didn't have any teeth in it, but it was strong enough to clasp onto Batman's thigh so that Batman couldn't get rid of the shark. Brilliant. Now, in the song, I'm the Man, Joe Jackson talks about a shark. I brought you the shark, right? That's Jaws. So what a weird kind of morning of sinks already. That's really interesting. The little Bruce Lee Kung Fu puppet, Bruce Lee, the Batman sink with the shark. What's going on with reality? Where are we? All right. Yes, I know. I know where you are. You're on the couch over here working hard. No, you're not. No, you're not working hard. You're resting. You need to rest. You have a big day ahead of you doing nothing. Okay, let's check in with you guys. We're going to get into this Will Smith thing, which is bizarre. And then there's more. Good morning, CC. What's going on, Ryan? What's happening? Rue 9, CC. Oh, I said Rue 9. The only thing that could have made it better was Howard Cosell's voiceover. <laughs> the slap. Oh, my God. Just realized it was a slap, not a punch. Interesting way to get attention. Well, that's what you're supposed to. When you slap somebody, theoretically, it is a challenge to a duel. That's what a slap would, would mean. You would not slap someone unless it was an open invitation to a duel because you were insulting another man's um, manlyhood, right? That, that's what a slap means. You're challenging another man to a duel. If, if Chris, now Chris Rock, this is, so some people think that it was staged. I don't, I don't really know about that. Could be. I mean, we're in this really strange place where the line between reality and non-reality is very blurred. And I'm going to get to that page six article because Jada and Will were primed to do something. They were primed to stir up some chaos. Their words. But what if Chris Rock had said, Sacre Blue, motherfucker. I am challenging you to a duel. 
Meet me out back with long pistols after the show. But he seemed um, genuinely stunned, and he had a hard time getting back on track. I remember one time I was playing basketball in Oakland, and I used to play at the at the Jewish Community Center a lot. I think I'd play there uh, three times a week, drop in, pay my money. It was always very strange because there was this Jewish community center in Oakland and it was, it was mostly brothers, but not all brothers that uh, would go there and play brothers, by the way, is a slang or vernacular for a yeah, black man or black men. And I'll, uh, <laughs> so I pay my money and then behind the, the reception desk, there, <laughs> I'll never forget. There was this one, 33 and third record behind the reception desk. It was Kenny G plays Hanukkah. <laughs> I wonder how much that record's worth. That was back then. See, I wonder how much that Kenny G Hanukkah record is worth. Anyway, so I'd go there and play. And it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. And one time, sometimes these random guys would show up. There was usually core regulars. But some guys would come because their friends would say, hey, come on down to the gym. I, I, had, I had a blast doing that. It was a lot of fun. And at the, I was in my athletic prime. I was uh, 32, 33. And I could play a little bit. That was, that was fun. Anyway, one time, these, these uh, two black guys were there. And w- one of the guys gets into a beef with another guy. And I think one of the guys was somebody who played there on a fairly consistent basis. And the other guy was kind of new. And the kind of new guy had his woman in the stands. And they're getting into this beef on the court. And the, the guy that I didn't really know or recognize, maybe he played there once or twice before, whose woman was in the stands, he goes to leave the court. He leaves the court, and he's steaming. And his his uh, girlfriend runs down to stop him because she knows where he's going. He's about to go to his car and get a gun. And I'm watching this saying, I'm like, what the fuck? You're going to get a gun over this? Like either settle it like real men outside and, you know, go through, go through, go through hands or, you know, just shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down. This is only a basketball game. It's a pickup game. That's all it is. He felt threatened and had to go defend his manhood. I I don't think that guy ever came back again. That was the only time I ever got close to that kind of, uh, Gun violence at a basketball game. Beth Barry, what's going on? How are you? How is the smelt coil doing today? Yeah, Zelensky didn't show up, did he? I like part of Jason Kristoff's take. Take or not, he showed Beta Man how to defend a family and honor. Maybe. So there's a whole there's a whole backstory with Will Smith, which you, I'm sure you know. Sea Pines, uh, Tom's here. 
we got Sony in the house, Kelly B. I have a coat like that. That is that is a fresh coat, right? Fresh jacket. Fresh jacket. And meanwhile, Will Smith's dressing like a fucking undertaker. And not a good way. Not in a good way. Look at Chris Rock's face. Uh, let's see. Sunday Papers is a masterpiece. Yeah, Joe Jackson was great. And then he's that, and then all of a sudden Joe Jackson decides that he's going to become George Gershwin. I'm an artist now. I'm I am going to start to write big, sprawling, complex masterpieces. But you got to respect the guy for changing. I don't blame him. You can't you can't be kind of a knockoff punk all your life. You got to grow. Uh, he, he had that one record where he did all these songs by Lewis Jordan, Jump Joint Jive. Remember that? Remember that record? I think it's called Jump Joint Jive. And I think, in, so Joe Jackson was kind of ahead of the trend where you had bands like the Squirrel Nut Zippers. And um, what was that band? Uh, Big Daddy. They were in... Uh, uh, the Vince Vaughn movie. Anyway, he he was he was sort of ahead of the head of the curve with that whole kind of jump joint jive music revival. So Joe was prescient. When was the last time I took a day off? I don't take days off. I'm a Virgo. I did take a day off to drive to Port Aransas. That was a day off. Let's see. I was on spring break. That's right. That was a really good band, right? Slapstick comedy. Six Oscar wins for Dune. Hey, Hucklebuck 411. Uh, I didn't see Dune. Was it, so it was uh, Denis Villeneuve, right? That's the guy who directed Dune. He directed Blade Runner. Very highly stylized director. Good line. Seagird, my man, he's back. What's going on, Seagird? Of course, he's always got the pithiest, the pithiest comment with that piercing and droll British wit. The first hit Chris Rock has had since Lethal Weapon 4. That is funny shit. Always. Oh, Secret always delivers. What's going on, Steve, my man? So should young Joe Jackson be played by Paul Dano or Simon Pegg? I go with Simon Pegg. Ask Seagert. I think he would have a Good take on that. How's it going, Tondar? Good to see you. Uh, Empath in the house. I'm the man. <laughs> Jasper is the man. Will Smith's marriage is open to everything but insults, it appears. Steve, you know, Steve is really, really underrated with the rejoinders. I got to just say, Steve always 
Steve brings it. He'll have these pit. Steve, it's a little bit different than Seagard. Sometimes Steve will wrap it in kind of a little, um, you know, wisdom wrapper. It's like, oh, wow, you're right, Steve. Steve is very underrated, but I am glad that Seagard is back. Let's see, who else do we have? Oh, Kylie, what's going on, Kylie? Good to see you. Oh, let's see. I was so excited to see that movie. Then it opened on the weekend. I was on a mission trip with my parents. I was disappointed. I did when I did find, is that the original Dune? Bruce Lee is a quarter German. Yes, he is. That's right. He's got that. He and, he and um, Jimi Hendrix have this weird doppelganger thing going on. Very strange. They're born on the same day. They both um, have roots in Seattle. And they're, they're both mixed. Jimi Hendrix is, his father's black. His mother is, if I'm not mistaken, Japanese. And his father also has Native American in him. So Jimmy's got this mixed thing going on. And so does Bruce Lee. Very interesting stuff. They went to the same high school. Same high school as Quincy Jones as well. All right, who else do we have here? Anybody else? I think we're good. I think I recognize y'all. And if I miss somebody, I, I apologize. So, Will Smith. We'll get to Will Smith in a second. I remember seeing the first Dune movie with uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin. David Lynch directed it. And I thought it sucked. I thought it really sucked. But years later, I watched it again, and I thought, this movie's really interesting. It, 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 I don't know about other people, but for me, that movie actually aged better. So, I mean, some of the effects are kind of, you know, goofy, but they're also really interesting. And because David, David Lynch was doing all those sets and all those effects without any benefit of CGI, they, they didn't have CGI back then. And he was really going for kind of a steampunk look which I, I thought was interesting. That brings us back to Wild Wild West, by the way. And the TV series was clearly fully steampunk. Gave, and a lot of it gave birth to this whole steampunk thing. So think about that too, with the Wild West and all that kind of steampunky kind of look and feel, and even the weird technology. There's weird technology in the Wild Wild West, which again sort of dovetails into the whole Tartarian sort of mythos and timeline. And in fact, they did everything on a train. And it's where James West and Artemis Gordon were doing the government's business from. And Grant is president, so it's just post-Civil War. They're putting it into that time period. I love the Wild Wild West. It's great. And there's a lot of very interesting cameos with some of the villains. There's an episode with Richard Pryor. He plays, a, he plays an evil ventriloquist. <laughs> in the wild, wild west. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Will Smith. Okay. Now, 
if you have been following Will Smith, which I really don't, like Will Smith is not that big a part of my life. But because I watch Jason Whitlock, they'll talk about Will Smith a lot. And it has to do with the fact that Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith have, op- have declared in public that they have an open marriage. And it's, um, I think, really kind of a, a result of Will Smith not being able to keep his uh, willy in his pocket and having lots of affairs and being on set. And a lot, I mean, Hollywood is incestuous that way. Like, you know, when, when, when there's a movie and it's very intense, people will get together, not just the stars, but even the crew. The crew will get together. And the crew will, you know, shag for, you know, an intense six, seven, eight weeks, whatever that is. And then they break and then they're gone. And those, those things generally tend to fizzle out every now and then sometimes you get a, you get a marriage out of it. Is that what happened to, um, oh, what's her name? Let me see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank because she's just not all that memorable. Oh. Let's see. Personal, give me one second. It'll come to me. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's that woman who was, uh, she's an actress, and she was um, involved with Ellen DeGeneres. You guys remember her name. Sorry, I'm a little burnt out from last night. Um, she was on the TV show. Anyway, um, the, one that, the one that walked in through the desert and hallucinated and said she was picked up by the, uh, by the aliens. You guys know who she is. What's her name again? Totally spacing out. Julie Roberts. No, 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 not Julie Roberts. I guess Brangelina was part of that. It'll come to me. Anyway, I saw Dune like five or six times. Couldn't figure it out. until I went with someone who had read the book and explained it to me. The book is pretty interesting. Pretty, pretty interesting book. I read that book when I was in junior high school. I think a lot of people did. Anyway, that's what happens with these Hollywood experiences. People come together, they have a thing, and then they leave. So Will Smith was doing a lot of that. Because Jada Pinkett Smith is not a big Hollywood star. As much as she'd like to be, she's not a big Hollywood star. And I think once, you know, that came out in, into their marriage, look, two people can do whatever they want, as far as I'm concerned. You can do whatever you want. If that's what you have amongst the two of you, well, fine. But when it becomes public and they start talking about it and Will Smith, you know, turns into a beta male, and that's what he becomes. He becomes the beta male inside of that marriage. 
and almost feels like she's his handler or something like that. But when that happens, then and it happens consistently. It's not just as if, um, They made a revelation about it once or twice. It almost feels as if they're trying to normalize it. Like, hey, this is a cool lifestyle. You should try polyamory. It's really cool. And it almost feels like an agenda. So we see all this stuff publicly with them. They're living their life in public in a lot of ways, or they're living a portion of it in public. Will is, you know, fairly humiliated most of the time in a public humiliation ritual, which is what it is. And then you have last night. Let me see if I can find the uh, actual footage here, because the American the, the footage on American TV is truncated like it's clipped and edited let me see if i can find the one on japanese tv because you get to see the whole thing and then will smith goes into a, a, a tirade let's see Breaking, Will Smith will run for the president of the United States. Yeah, and I haven't even gotten to Jaden Smith. And what's going on with uh, him and the sexual reorientation with their son. Let's see. I want to give you the, the full Monty here. Will Smith, the black male Karen. So some of it looks fake, but Chris Rock's um, response does <clears throat> looks very stunned. Let's see. And the reason why he has a hard time recovering. Let me do this. He has a hard time recovering from the moment. Here we go. So this, this is the, um, This is the Japanese version right here on Japanese TV. So just in case you're living under a rock or you don't pay attention to these things, which by the way, I don't blame you at all. The Oscars, which have really fallen, just really, really fallen. Nobody watches them anymore. So they have to generate some form of ratings with their Joe Jackson on demand moment. 
I don't know if, uh, did Zelensky show up? Was he there? Did they beam him in from his uh, swanking palatial condo in Florida with the green screen behind him? Did they beam him in? I, I, again, I stopped watching the, the award shows. I even stopped watching them to decode them. I was like, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. There's this and there's that and there's this and there's that. And look what happens here. And oh my God, there's a Baphomet and blah, 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 blah. Like at the beginning, it was interesting because it was, they were, they were saying, here we are. We're here now where we're showing you we're here. And we're running these rituals so that we can indoctrinate you via watching them because there's another ritual going on that you're not seeing, but we're showing you one that you can see. But that was kind of interesting for a while. And then I stopped doing it. I think I think I stopped tuning into that stuff after it might have been the Super Bowl when uh, they played in Santa Clara and Beyonce did the whole Black Panther thing. You remember that? That was a that was actually a very uh, telling Super Bowl ritual because it, it it was letting everybody know that here comes Black Lives Matter. Here comes social racial social unrest, and that was when. Cam Newton, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And what was Cam Newton? He was a Black Panther. Played like shit. And he wore gold shoes. How about that? Wore gold shoes. So that was, I mean, that was the last time I thought it was mildly interesting i think katie perry was there and it was uh but you could tell this is where this is going but after that i'm just like ah, i don't even want to go watch the olympics and decode the Olympics. it's just like i'm over i'm kind of i'm done with that and that stuff gets good ratings people like to ooh, look at that look at that oh wow yeah oh yeah and you could you could kind of ride that train but you know, I, I did a long time ago. I spent a lot of time doing it. I don't mind doing it at a at a kind of piecemeal or, you know, where, where it's appropriate, but to make an entire program and devote all this time and energy into putting my energy into the ritual, I'm just kind of over it. So I don't really watch these shows anymore, but I do know that nobody else watches them. So therefore, their ability to amplify these rituals is becoming... Um, Lessened, right? It's becoming uh, denatured. So then they have to have events like this. Oh, what's going to happen at the Country Music Awards this year? I got to watch the CMAs. Maybe John Rich will go off and talk about Joe Biden. And there'll be a let's go branded moment. And, and maybe there's a, a woman at the CMAs who needs to get a higher boost with her profile and she'll come out in support of Black Lives Matter. Maybe I should watch that. This is Because this is what happens. They train people to watch these public spectacles. And then they, be, they identify with the public spectacle. And, they, and ultimately they give their energy over to this thing. So these, the Oscars have just been nosediving. And of course, we all know that they have gone into performative wokeness. 
like they have to have at least one, you know, at one um, award set aside for a BIPOC. Like you just can't have a really, really good performance. You know, giving an Oscar to somebody who's, uh, you know, not a woman, not trans, not a so-called minority, we got to watch out for that. And if we do, right, they really have to kneel before our, uh, our socially woke gods. So nobody's watching these things. Now, will we watch the next award ceremony? Maybe, I don't know. But the Oscars have fallen. I remember as a kid, the Oscars were fairly cool, like cool in a way where it seemed like these people were living in another dimension because that's how it's projected. And they were like, they were living in their own private Idaho with lots of privilege and tons of decadence. If you ever get a chance, read uh, the uh, uh, Quincy Jones interview. The Quincy Jones interview is a trip that happened about three years ago. And Quincy Jones just blows the whistle on all of Hollywood and who these people are and their, their sexuality. He said that uh, Richard Pryor and uh, Marlon Brando were lovers and that Marlon Brando would fuck anything. Like he, he would hump a, a parking meter out of the mouth of, of Quincy Jones, who <laughs> right in there, right in there with them. Right. So of course there's the in front of the screen and the behind the screen projection of that world. But even in the seventies, which is really, I think in my estimation, the seventies were the height of Hollywood because you still had people that were around from the forties and the fifties. You had like William Holden, who I think might've won an Oscar for network, which is a great movie. I should play a scene from Network today. There's, there's been a scene from Network I've been wanting to play for a while. Uh, so th by the time you get to the 80s, a lot of the old guard is starting to die off. There's still some of that luster in Hollywood, but the 80s are when this die off begins to happen. And a lot of the old stars, a lot of the people that were associated with the old Hollywood start to fade away. And then things begin to change. But also during the 70s, there was such a high level of unpredictability. And I guess that's what they were shooting for last night because you know, everything has just become so canned and scripted that you don't have these really weird Oscar moments. Like the time that um, Marlon Brando sent Sachin Littlefeather, Sachin Littlefeather up to take his Oscar, accept his Oscar. Like that was weird and people didn't know that that was going to happen maybe some people did uh you had uh, vanessa redgrave who was speaking out against zionism i think she won an oscar for that movie she did with uh, was it ann bancroft Uh, Julia, I think that was the movie, right? Julia, I think she won the Oscar for Julia, which has this kind of uh, World War II Nazi Jewish theme running in the background. 
And she won the Oscar for that. And she comes out and she starts speaking out against Zionism. She starts to uh, speak in favor of the Palestinians. She's pro-Palestinian. So that shit doesn't really happen that way anymore because people are so afraid of their status and being canceled that you can't really be spontaneous because you always have to think about, okay, who's this going to offend? Who's this going to offend? Nobody really cared back then to some, to, to a greater extent, they didn't really care than they do now. There was one other, oh, it was was, um, George C. Scott who did not show up for his Oscar for Patton. So you would have these weird moments sometimes, but they were strangely spontaneous. And, you know, the Oscars were, so even, I'm going to play the the video, but even looking at the stage, I mean, before, back in the day, the the MC of the Oscars, uh, for the most part, was Johnny Carson. And he could make quips and make jokes, and he he could say something like he said. You know, uh, Don Rickles, he, he, he was the master of insults. He would insult everybody, but he was funny as hell. Nobody was immune to his insults. And, and the reason why is because he would savage himself as equally as he would savage other people. So it was a fair exchange. And then the other part of Don Rickles, that he was actually a really nice guy. People, you know, you could tell he loved Johnny Carson. And if he was into you, he was into you and he loved you and he would let you know about it. So there are a lot of offsets with Don Rickles. He wasn't just somebody who insulted other people and never, never, you, you know, turned the laser beam back on himself, nor did he, it was just, nor did he not express his affection for other people. Don Rickles kind of had it figured out on a moral level. And it was really hard to get mad at Don Rickles. In fact, it was actually considered, you know, kind of a, um, a, a blessing in some ways to be insulted by him. Like if you got insulted by Don Rickles, that was kind of a cool thing because you were, you, you meant enough to be insulted by him. And if it was an audience piece, when he, he would do this in Vegas, he would insult members of the audience. You could go home and you could talk about it. You could say, guess what? Don Rickles insulted me in Vegas. Oh my God. It was so fucking funny. People are really, yeah, it was like, it was, I wouldn't say it was an honor, but it, it was, it was certainly a perk, but now that you can't really do that. And so let's watch the video. Let's see what happens here. But when, uh, just one other point, when Carson was the MC, he was on a stage. And he was above people. And the people in the audience were, you know, they had to literally walk up that stage. They had to ascend to the top of the pyramid and get the little statuary version of Ptah, right? Because that's that's who the Oscar is. He's Ptah, an Egyptian god. So they had to ascend. Now they don't have to ascend. Everything is at floor level. So let's watch this. 
So you're going to see uh, some some Japanese other subtitles or narration here. All right, so he's walking up. Chris Rock just made a joke about Jada Pinkett's hair. Here comes Will Smith. The golden flames of inspiration. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane joke. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. That was the greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. So we are here to uh, give a documentary out, to give an Oscar. So look at his face. It looks like he just got moved sideways. He got slapped sideways. And I think he's a little, look at that, 47 views, 47.9 million views. See that number right down there? 47.9 million views. More people have watched this clip than they watch Brian Stelter on CNN. Does that surprise you? So how, how long will it be before Will Smith shows up on Joe Rogan? We're counting now. He's on the clock. So Chris Rock's response, I think, is kind of one of trauma, actually. Let's go back here. Now, they are actors. They do this for a living. Will Smith's a Virgo. Now, she looks pretty surprised. That's not Jada. Isn't Jada over here? Yeah, that's her. With the, uh, the green horned outfit. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's fucking mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. Look at his mouth, it's all sideways. That was a... Uh... Greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. So we are here to uh, give a documentary out. To get so, uh, you know, when he says that, he, he, you can tell he's trying to recover from this whole thing, right? right let's watch it again. I challenge you to a duel. He's got his left hand up like he's throwing a punch. And right there. Okay, look, so he is, he's clipping his chin. This is like we're not, this is the news of Bruder film. He's clipping his chin right there. You could see that his fingers, his fingers are just clipping his chin. 
どうなんでしょうか He, so he doesn't take the full of his palm and hit him in the side of the face. This, this is fingers on chin, fingers on chin slap, right? You see that right there? It's got good rotation to the hips. And then he、uh, walks off the stage here. And he's smiling. Will Smith is smiling. Now, is he smiling because he's in on the joke or in on the stunt? Or is that his natural response to when he? Bitch slaps another beta male. Now look at him, he's strutting. Oh, yeah, I'm a rooster now. I'm a rooster. Because Chris Rock is also a beta. If you've ever seen any of his comedy routines about his own wife, and he, there's an episode of Louis C.K. where Louis C.K. Gets picked up by this woman who's a swinger. Louis C.K.'s show was very funny. I'm, I'm sorry, it got canceled. It was like one of the funniest shows that I, that,、um, that I watched when it, was, when it was on. It was really hilarious. Very hilarious. So he gets picked up by this woman who's a swinger. He doesn't know she's a swinger. She's at a club where he's doing comedy and she's. Really into him. She comes on to him. He's like, Yeah, yeah, let's go. And they get in the car. I think it's her car. And they drive out to New Jersey, where she lives. A long drive. For a New Yorker, it's probably a long drive. It's like, what, 45 minutes or an hour? She, and he gets there and she comes home and her husband is there. And she's like, Let's go. Let's do it. Said, What about him? Oh, don't worry about him. He likes to watch, right? So Louis freaked out. He doesn't want to do it. And he、um, only knows one person in that area, and it's Chris Rock. And he has to call Chris Rock to come pick him up because he's leaving. He doesn't know really where he is. And Chris Rock's, I, I don't know if it's his real wife or his show wife or whatever, but in a very brief period of time, She manages to, manages to insult and be dismissive of both Louis C.K. and Chris Rock. And it, didn't Chris Rock like, get caught cheating too? And like, it was a big thing. So Will Smith and Chris Rock are a couple of betas. And so it's a, it's a beta fight. And what Will Smith is trying to establish himself as being is a non beta because he's been taking a beating in the media for being a beta. Now he's back up into alpha status. Look what he did to Chris Rock. And by the way, that's what's getting our attention, right? Not any other thing of any importance in the world. But I have to talk about it because my ratings will go up. No, it's, it's, it's semi interesting and it's a little funny. It provides for some comic relief. 
Jada Pinkett is a Scientologist, by the way. Let's see what this Chris Rock sign. Let's just look him up here. I think, is he a Virgo too? Let me see what he is. Oh, Chris Rock is an Aquarian. So Chris Rock has a Saturn Sun conjunction right now. That's interesting. And he's on tour. He's doing a stand-up tour. So Chris Rock is not pressing charges against Will Smith for Oscar slap. What a good man. So apparently, this is not the first thing that's happened between the two of them. Sunday night wasn't the first time Chris Rock had joked about Jada Pinkett Smith, but it may have been his last. Her husband, Will Smith, stormed on stage at the 94th Academy Awards after Rock joked, Jada, I love you, G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see you, and hit Rock in the face. Actress Demi Moore famously shaved her head for her role in the film G.I. Jane, Jane and Pinkett Smith has a close haircut because she suffers from alopecia, an autoimmune disorder that causes her. So why is she suffering from alopecia? I think that's the bigger question. Is it, is it some sort of physical malady or is it some sort of emotional and spiritual malady? In 2016, Rock hosted the Oscars and joked about Pinkett Smith and her husband boycotting over Oscars So White. The online movement, which began as a way to address the lack of diversity at the Academy Awards. Rock declared that the Smiths, as well as Black director Spike Lee, went mad over the issue as there were no Black acting nominees that year. Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties, Rock said during his opening monologue. I wasn't invited. Rock went on to joke that he understood Pink and Smith's anger. Jada's mad her man, Will Smith, was not nominated for concussion, Rock said in reference to the 2015 football film. Will Smith started, I get it. It's not fair. Will was that, Will was this good and didn't get nominated. It's also not fair that Will was paid $20 million for the wild, 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 for wild, wild. See, that's funny. That is, this is how comedy works. I'll show you. This is how, that's actually kind of funny. Right there, Jada's mad her man, Will, wasn't nominated for concussion. Rock said in reference to the 2015 football film, Will Smith starred I get it. It's not fair that Will was this good and didn't get nominated. It's also not fair that Will was paid $20 million for Wild Wild West. See, that's funny. And Chris Rock is an Aquarian. He's supposed to be the Aquarian. He's supposed to be able to be shocking. He's supposed to be able to be irreverent. And Will Smith is a Virgo who has a bug up his ass. All right. So while this is happening, let's just go right over here. This is happening now. Oil tumbles 8% as China locks down for Shanghai COVID outbreak. There they are. 
To have this market firing on all cylinders, you need China. China is the biggest cylinder, said Tran. Shanghai, a city of about 25 million and a major hub of the Chinese economy, is set to have roughly half of its population banned from going out for four days starting Monday. The lockdown will then move to the other half of Shanghai. The magnitude of the sell-off reflects that COVID lockdowns in China could spread. Can you see what's happening? They cannot continue to run the Ukrainian war unless it goes in one or two directions. Because at some point, people will stop giving a shit. And Zelensky will be a Fleetwood Mac song. He'll be secondhand news. They won't care anymore. People, people's attention span and their ability to um, spend uh, the remaining um, sense of their emotional currency will be depleted. We'll have to move on to something else. So they have two options with Ukraine. They can either go for a negotiated settlement, which is floating around in the air, and I talked about this. Right, that's sort of starting to happen now. They're they're floating this thing where there could be a neutral zone, and it will look like Zelensky comes up out on top, and things go sort of back to normal until they need to not make it go back to normal again. Or they could go full on kinetic World War Three, because you can't. I mean, you can, you could, you could have this thing drag out for, but at some point people won't give a fuck. They're just, they'll move on. They'll move on to something else. So what have we seen? We've seen these alternating crises. When one of them begins to lag, a new one begins to emerge. So what do we have in China now? We've got another super bug. And Shanghai is an interesting city because back in the day, you would be slipped a Mickey and you'd be Shanghai'd. You'd be put on a ship and theoretically shipped off to China, right? And you would go to where? Shanghai, because it's a port city. So it's an interesting meme. We're now in the process of getting Shanghai. So keep your eye on what's going on here. Right? If they if they want to go full on kinetic, then they will they will do something to accelerate the war. And David and I were looking at um, Zelensky's chart, and we're looking at the Sabian symbols, and you know, Zelensky could be martyred. That would be the, the thing. And he could just go be an actor somewhere else. That that's how I think ultimately World War III would start. And they would have to have that. They would have to have that kind of cosmetic um, moment. And then, of course, people would just throw everything into it emotionally. And all that emotional currency would go into... Uh, the start of a war, and that's how wars begin, right? They are kick-started by false flags and people essentially transferring their energy to the war effort. It's the psychic fuel that enables the war. 
But if they don't go in that direction, the Shanghai thing is coming or something similar because that's where we are now. And we've been in these alternating crises for a while. Not great. Apparently, uh, there's been a big uh, splurge on Teslas because people are thinking, wow, oh, gee, I, I really, really need to get an electric car. And so there are videos of Teslas at these charging stations. They're just lined up because there's none of charging stations. Now, in order to have a battery-powered car, uh, you need batteries. Am I right? And there are certain things, well, one certain thing that batteries need. You know what that thing is? Lithium. Have you ever seen how lithium is uh, mined? This is what this is how they extract lithium. Look at this. I mean, these look like the remains of ancient civilizations. That's a lithium mine. How do the environmentalists feel about this? It, it looks like a toilet, doesn't it? For those of you in other parts of the world, it would be known as a loo. We call them turlets over here. Look at that. I guess you could make an amphitheater out of it. Red rocks. Look at this. There's your, there's your lithium pit in China. And right next to it, you have all the infrastructure in order. So if you're an environmentalist, how do you co-sign on this? How do you co-sign on these lithium pits? Oh, here we go. This is the uh, this is the schematic here. Let's look at the schematic. Oh, it's a YouTube video. So down here you have explosives, drilling, loading, blasting, and then these concentric rings are hauling, and they haul it out. That's why they look look like what they do. Uh, let's see, this is an open pit mine. Stands a talus and lithium. I guess that's a they're 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 gentrifying the lithium pit. I mean, these things are pretty horrific. Fed approves expansion of a, of America's largest battery grade. Oh, look at that. So, of course, Snopes will chime in and say, oh, gee, you know, lithium is a much, much better, much better option. Look at this. These look like the holes to hell. These massive sinkholes. Wow. That's another one. How do, I, how do environmentalists co-sign on this? I just, I don't get it at all.
And they always bring this back, this one at Taliesin. Oh, look, it's growing back. Look at that beautiful green water. Oh, it's got vegetation there. See? Nature reclaims itself. Look at this shit. And we're okay with that? Lithium mine pits electric cars against sacred indigenous. I have forbidden access here. No. It's probably because I'm using a VPN. I guess I could turn it off. But you can see the picture. Fort McDermott tribal descendants against Lithium, Nevada, protect sacred lands. Are there times where the villain was morally correct? Yeah, I'm sure in some comic book somewhere. Uh, that's what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with this rape, pillage, and plunder of the environment to extract this lithium so that we can have electric cars and all the other batteries that we need to power the uh, the fourth industrial revolution and the great reset. But nobody who's really environmentally switched on is saying anything about it. Because it's weird how they hijack the environmental movement. The environmental movement at one point in time really stood for the environment, clean water, clean air, right? This is a big part of the environmental movement. And it's like, well, really, we're just going to translate it into the dangers of carbon. And that if we have too much carbon, that means the planet will die, right? We'll get the greenhouse effect. We get the greenhouse effect, all the, uh, all the um, uh, icebergs will melt. Polar bears will have their uh, coats turn from Snow White to, you know, grizzly brown. The waters will rise. Cities will be underwater on the coastal areas. And yet you have people like Obama and Nancy Pelosi who are buying coastal homes. Gee, that kind of falls in the face of the logic around this. Why would you want to have a coastal home if Florida's going to be underwater? Or in case of the Obamas, Martha's Vineyard will be underwater doesn't really make sense. But the, the original environmental movement was a real thing. You go back and you look at Los Angeles in Southern California, and I lived there for a brief period of time. In the 70s, it was a smog city. And it had to do the number of cars, the emissions, and all the stuff that was going on. Plus, there was a lot of manufacturing in LA during that time. There were still companies there that were doing things. You know, they were... Uh, you're creating their own, you know, manufactured and industrial waste byproducts that would escape into the atmosphere. It wasn't just cars. So there was concern, and there should be some concern over that. And eventually they got the car thing right. They got the emissions thing to the point where it didn't completely um, rob your car of any performance. Like for, there was a period in the 70s where cars were shit. And a lot of it had to do with the emission stuff. 
And the Japanese just did it better. The American cars couldn't figure it out. It's like we need to compete with the Japanese and have more efficient engines in terms of gas mileage. And we have to make sure that we have these things called catalytic converters and they're essentially filtering out the carbon dioxide in the, uh, in the exhaust of our car. And they eventually got it right when the 80s came around. They figured out the technology. But that's, you know, that was the real environmental movement. It's like, let's figure out a way to have these areas a bit more sustainable. Well, of course, part of the other uh, solution for the environmental movement was just move the factories out of the United States. Let's move to China because they don't have the same environmental standards that we now have for this country. So if China creates the waste or India, right? Like Bhopal, where they're making batteries. And they have that huge accident in Bhopal, India, that's outsourcing, that's globalism. And so one group says, we'll keep our environment clean. The other group says, well, well, we'll take on your business and we don't have the same kind of regulations that you do so we can do this. That's what China did. What happens when China creates this industrial spew? Do you think it stays in China? No, it doesn't. It goes from west or east to west. They're east to our west. And I remember watching this documentary one time on PBS. And there was a guy who was in Seattle. And he was doing a reading on the uh, atmosphere in Seattle. And he picked up like um, these, uh, these elements uh, inside of his reading that were toxic. Oh, okay, well, what are they? And where are they coming from? And he traced it, he traced it to China. Right? And so he, they used that to go into the various manufacturing uh, plants in China and the byproduct of what they were manufacturing. It came back to us just because, you know, we, we, we didn't want it to, we didn't want the, uh, the, the, the factories to pollute our waters and pockmark our land. Doesn't mean that there wasn't an environmental impact that was coming back. It did. And we did the same thing with Mexico. We passed NAFTA and all these companies went South and Mexico didn't have the same kinds of, in environmental restrictions that they were using in the States to keep the environment more pristine and people happy. Oh, look what we did. We put all these restrictions on all these factories in and around Detroit, Michigan, including Flint, where they have the shitty water. And now people can't do any business there. So they leave and they play the global game. It's like, well, where can we do business? Mexico, China, okay, let's go. So they're just, they're kind of shuffling the deck chairs around the Titanic. Instead of coming forth with really smart technology, technology where you could get easily 60 miles per gallon, which they have in Europe. They have Volkswagen GTIs in Europe where you can get 60 miles per gallon, but they're not going to, you're not going to get them here. 
is because of the disparity in terms of fuel cost. And this is pre, this is all pre, you know, Russian drama. They can make a car that can easily get 65 miles per gallon, but the oil companies wouldn't like it. No, don't do that. Cap it off at maybe 30. Okay. We'll give you 30 max, but not 60. We need them to come back to the pump. Easy. And that's minor. That's a minor adjustment. Easily done. You could go major adjustment, and I'm sure there's plenty of advanced technology that would allow people to have cheaper power and cheaper energy. And I'm not talking about a giant fucking windmill, okay? That's just, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, that technology is archaic. Of course, what do they use? They use lithium. They have batteries in there. Yeah, they do. They have batteries inside those windmills because they have to keep moving them and charging those batteries. So we're looking at the structure in the organization of the world. It's always something temporary and it's always made to um, move towards the highest amount of profitability, highest amount of profitability, and the lowest amount of bars to acquire that profitability, unless, of course, you're in the United States. So that's where we are now. And the environmentalists now, they won't give a shit. They won't walk, they won't think about those lithium pits. they'll, They'll just kind of write it up. Well, you know, there's the greater good. And the greater good is the atmosphere. And I guess we'll have less people. So therefore, we won't have as many cars with electric engines and lithium batteries. So we won't need all those pits. All right, what should, what should I play? There was something I wanted to play. What was it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Let me see if I can find this. We have only a little bit left, a little bit of time left. I always wait too long. Okay. Let's see. Um, there's a scene from the movie Network. Maybe I'll play it tomorrow. I'm going to try to find it. I don't have enough time. I got to I gotta find it tomorrow. And I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm just gonna play it. Maybe I'll open the show with it. Okay, we're up against it. It's uh 10:38 here, Central Standard Time, and uh, the clock ticks and runs out at 10:41. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to stay open to what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Thank you for being here. Another day in the realm. And uh, be your best self. When you're your best self, you're your own best expression of God within. And never forget that. Never forget that. For myself and Jasper, take care. Have a very good day. Bye for now.